Elise, how are you doing? I'm really well, thanks, Mark. How are you doing? Very well indeed, very well. So we're Friday evening for you, and it's Friday morning here. I was going to say that we're three weeks into our um, previous food challenge, nearly at the end of it. We are. Let's, okay, whilst we're talking about that, how, how are you getting on with your challenge? Because, uh, Lise, just to remind people, you were trying a pure keto, ketogenic diet. So clean keto. So I've not been doing dairy or anything. Kept the challenge up. I've not had any binge moments. or And I've actually realized that in terms of because I eat so clean normally anyway, it's not been a massive shift. Um, we've just cut out a bit of sorbet and halo top, but ultimately I didn't eat a lot of white. I didn't eat any carbs anyway. Great deal. More vegetable carbohydrates. And so I've not really had to, I just more through tracking. And just to remind, remind listeners, Liz, what, what is in a very brief overview, what is a keto diet? What does it consist of? So a keto diet means that it's very low carbohydrate, medium protein and higher in fats. So part of this challenge was to conquer my fear of healthy fats. Um, and also come off a bit of a halo top addiction that I've developed, even though I was dairy free paleo before. Um, you just kind of become a little bit complacent. And you did carnivore, Mark. Yeah, we'll come on to that in a minute, actually, because that was really exciting. And I'm, I'm still doing it now and I'm loving it. But back to the keto diet. Just so from bring it back into sort of our world of branding and packaging. How have you found as a consumer going out there and buying products? So do you, have you been finding yourself looking at the back of labels more to what the contents of the product is? Definitely. So look, you and I have always been on top of kind of new food trends and things that are coming up and cool products or innovations in our industry. And we've worked on quite a few of them, you know, things like pea milk and, and things like that. But actually, the the best part of this is I've actually found brands that I probably never would have discovered. I've also learned, I mean, I read labels anyway on the back of them because I was doing paleo, but just realizing how many carbohydrates are in so many things that you are marketed as healthy foods. And that's not saying carbohydrates are bad, but when you look at the back of a, I mean, there are protein balls and things that you can buy here that are prepackaged, but most of them have 20 grams of carbohydrates. And when you're doing keto, you're meant to between 20 and 50 is the very maximum a day. Well, a bowl full of um, cauliflower has got at least six grams of net carbohydrates in. So once you start adding your normal food, all items of food have got some degree of carbohydrates. And when you realize like all it has to be is, I mean, a couple of slices, if I ate bread, a couple of slices of bread would be, that's it, that's your carbs for the day, over and out. And so actually it's made me realize very much about the packaged foods that we're marketed as being healthy. What do you define as healthy? I mean, I already knew this because I already checked labels in terms of, you know, you kind of know that synthetic sweeteners and things. But yeah, definitely. Like I've been checking food labels. It's also made me aware of some really cool brands in the keto space. Um, there's a lot more in terms of make your a lot of your own baking. So because there's so many restrictions on what's in, there's a lot of base mixes you can buy and then you make your own version of it at home. So, yeah, so I, f- I found some really exciting new brands and kind of things that are breaking into the market. And also I've actually found loads of online resources to actually make my own versions of things. So things like keto mug cakes that you can put in a microwave for 10 minutes and that's an alternative to a dessert. So actually, it's, it's been fun. Like, you know, it's um, it's been a fun challenge. It's sort of seen weekends and evenings kind of playing around with what you can make. Um, but I've been doing loads of fasting as well. So I've been doing quite a lot of long fasts. Uh, and I don't want to labour the point, though, or go on too much about it. But in terms of fasting, how does that benefit you as a sort of someone who's obviously on a restricted diet already? Well, I, to be honest, like I don't do this. Some people do days and days worth of fasting, but I've actually done it more in terms of if I get up in the morning and I try not to eat anything until later in the day, um, I'll just have a coffee or whatever so I can go through till about six or seven o'clock at night with no food. And I genuinely don't feel hungry. Like I'm someone who's, like I've had acupuncture and things for digestion in the past, so I actually don't struggle with hunger's not something. Like food is functional for me. Um, but I've actually found it really beneficial in terms of the brain fog that we spoke about before all of this. It's not helped me with sleep. And we're going to talk about wellness trends. So keto, from my point of view, has not helped me with sleep. I'll probably wait till we talk about sleep and then I can mention it. So yeah, it's not really helped me with sleep and things like that. But it's really helped with the, like being concentrated and on it all day. Like I've not felt I've not felt tired. Probably the first week I did. And like I think you're going to talk about carnivore and how like I had no energy at the gym for the first week or two um but then as you once you adapt like it's not it's, I'll be honest it's not been a massive shift for me in my lifestyle it's just more about adapting a few things and trying to introduce I probably not introduced as many fats as I probably should have so tell us about carnivore yeah so again as controversial as it might be sometimes telling people that you're on a wholly carnivore diet and eating nothing else so the 
it, it is as it sounds. The carnivore diet is eating meat and meat only or animal product, should we say, or strictly animal product. So there's literally no vegetables, no greens, anything else. Even dairy intake is limited. Um, eggs, yep. Yeah. Um, milk, no. Butter, high fat butter, yes, only really to cook with. But essentially the whole diet um, was a bit of a change because my previous sort of nutritional content or consumption was made pretty much of chicken, broccoli and brown rice. Um, so the difference was quite substantial because you're cutting out all the greens. The meat you're eating are red meats, fatty meats. Um, and as Lisa said as well, the, uh, the idea of eating um, fat was always sort of a bit of a no-no. So you know, you're trying even cut the fat off steaks. But with this particular diet, you're encouraged to eat it. We're, we're now sort of coming out or in our fourth week of the diet. Um, first week was spent time adapting to it. It was a little bit tricky. You were, you were really hard to try and understand how your sort of insides are going to cope without the fibre and the um, what you perceive as being nutrients coming out of the vegetables. Um, but your body does adapt. Going to the second week, uh, adaption was great, uh, felt really good. I didn't feel like there was um, any lifting of any brain fog. You know, these people talk about sort of the um, concentration levels improved um, on a sort of a restricted diet. I didn't really feel that. Um, I, was ho- I was hoping to feel a bit more than I did, should we say. Um, had no issues with sleep at all. I think um, overall, um, really enjoyed it. Body weight has dropped hugely. Unfortunately, it has coincided with the COVID limitations and gyms closing. So not being able to lift weights and putting yourself on a restrictive diet um, doesn't help. So body weight, I've actually almost lost a, or dropped a stone, you know, um, so about seven kilograms. So it's it's quite a substantial drop, but that, a lot of that is body fat. I've noticed that my sort of body fat levels have reduced. So there's the six packs coming back and, um, you know, the stuff that wasn't necessarily there beforehand, you know, my winter coat was already there. So as an overview, would I do it again? Yes. Um, if I was looking to look, drop weight quickly for any reason, um, would I recommend it? Yes, I would. I'd recommend it for solely as a restricted diet, just to f- determine what foods are perhaps aren't working for you. If you're finding there are certain food groups you're not quite sure about. What would I try next in terms of a diet? I would even look to try keto, um, a I keto diet. I think you need diet. to try vegan. <laughs> no way. You need to try, or plant-based. No, no. I, I find, I don't want to go, it's too, too stuck in the weeds. <laughs> let's not, the let's pun. not go there. Let, let's but not no go way there. <laughs> would I be trying vegan. Uh, I, I enjoy meat, uh, and let's leave it at that. Uh, I'm looking forward to actually now getting back onto eating carbohydrates and having a bit more energy. Um, there is a certain degree of when exercising without those carbohydrates in your body there is you do feel a little bit fatigued doing cardio work felt like really hard work and it doesn't normally anyway but without that sort of carbohydrate in your system you do feel that and also when you're lifting weights you get a bit of a pump in your anaerobic workouts that you don't get on a car um, carnivore diet so yeah i don't don't know didn't mean to talk about it for that long but really enjoyed it I'm looking forward to having oats, I think, is the main thing I've missed the most. So oats and, dare I say, broccoli. <laughs> I know. I, on, our, on our calls, on our catch-ups, it was always like, I can't wait to have yeah. oats and making bone broth. So it's actually, do you know what? The, the one thing I will say is actually been really good to know that you're doing a challenge and I'm doing a challenge and have those almost those like, even like we text each other and go like, this is my life right now. And actually have someone who understands, because I think we both talk about one of the biggest challenges of both was actually if someone said, do you want to go here? And you go, oh, like, yes, but. Yes. And there's that moment of, I mean, it's probably different in England and we'll go to lockdown in a moment, is that actually if you can catch up with friends or whatever or go around for a bite to eat, you go like, oh, look, I'm only having this. Yeah. It's probably easier with keto, but even then, you're so conscious of what you're what you're consuming because ultimately, like, you don't want to, the, the one thing that I will say about keto is if you have a, a lot of people go, I oh, just have one day a week where you binge, like, I'm I'm not that person. Like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. Because that, with keto, one day, you have to almost start afresh. And when you have this serious insomnia that you get at the start of it, you don't want to start that afresh. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Any restrictive diet, um, I think one of the social impacts is you do find yourself limited to as and when you can eat um, in a social environment. And even with family, I have a young family, uh, and not being able to sit down and have the same foods... Um, does limit you a little bit. And that's something I have missed. And even sitting down and having a glass of wine on a Friday evening, not that I do that very often, but I think 
that's something that I've missed. And my partner, Lorraine, I think she obviously feels the same. And she said, when do you finish this diet? Um, but then again, I also quite like the fact that no one's stealing my food. Normally people have a bit of a sort of taking my chicken or what have you. And I'm a bit like Joey from Friends. And I'm not showing my food. So no, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to be able to sort of uh, eat socially, albeit um, in a COVID friendly environment. But you know what I mean? We're eating with the family. Yeah. So tell us, tell us about lockdown over there. Let's do a little bit of a COVID roundup because it's we're, it's like we're on different sides of the universe right now. Yeah, well, I think it, it sort of it dovetails quite nicely into what we're going to be talking about today, which is the wellness trends. Um, but in in terms of what's happening here, yes, there was a, the um, tiering system was announced in the UK. Now we've already been in a month long lockdown. Um, and the government have just announced that coming out of that, that's different. The country's been split up into multiple regions whereby they've split into different tiers, which has a big impact on obviously not just small businesses, but um, the hospi- hospitality industry. A lot of those guys can't open during these times. Economically, it's, it's a really heavy hit. And during the Christmas period, a lot of these businesses want to be open and they can't. Uh, and you can't help but feel for all those industries who are really suffering right now. And again, we're in it too. Um, so the UK is really struggling and they're looking to have a little bit of a freedom, if you like, of movement uh, over the Christmas period. So two or three days where families can um, all be, will be limited to num- minimal numbers. And at the back end of it, people are expecting in January, I think, to go back into another lockdown um, because there's going to be a bit of a backlash. I think everyone would be happy to hibernate in January in England, wouldn't they? <laughs> I think so. I think so. So, yeah, we're, 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 we're still in the thick of it right now. And the government are doing their best to obviously work out the best way forward. But I think no one knows. There's no right answer to it. Um, and we're just doing what we can. Um, so what about Oz? How are you getting on in Sydney? Oh, look, I'm so proud of Australia right now. Um, so, yeah, like we've had a, we've had 28 days straight, definitely in Sydney and, and even in Melbourne, where there's been no untrace, no traceable cases. Um, so we officially obviously we've not had lockdown here for a long time and we've not got any reason to. They've opened all the state borders as of as of the 1st of December. They'll also open Queensland. But I was actually um, like it's almost to, to talk, take it for granted a bit. So obviously I speak to my mom back in England and friends back in England who tell me what it's like there. But last night I was lucky enough to be part of um, Google Rare Hangouts, so a workshop that I did, a masterclass for diverse and rare creatives back in August. And actually at the time that we did it, it was really interesting because it felt like so many people that had joined this masterclass was getting them through. It gave them a reason to power through and feel creative and do everything that we're doing. It was really inspiring. It was a really great thing to be part of. And last night we had a hangout meetup with some of the people who were on that workshop. And there was a few people, a couple of people in um, in Japan, and they were talking about how they're about to potentially go back into a lockdown again there. But also there was a girl in India, and she was talking about eight members of her family currently being um, in hospitalized with COVID. And it just really, like, it was so humbling to realize, like, like my heart goes out to anyone who's in that situation. And she was so positive and so upbeat. She was brilliant. She was absolutely amazing. But, you know, like, all of us in the group were just like, how like we're just we're so lucky to be in Australia obviously but it's just humbling to hear how it's affecting everyone around the world I know we do these podcasts and we have a bit of a positive slant on them of course because it's who we are um, and you know creativity is what gets us out of this but ultimately there's a lot of people struggling right now yeah you're absolutely right um, and I think it's awfully sad when you start to hear those stories and they're, but they're happening globally again like you heart goes out to all these people in those sort of uh, circumstances where some of the countries really are being heavily hit by it but it does it does also lead us quite nicely into what we've decided to talk about and i think it kind of swung it a little bit didn't it to talk about wellness trends um, and some of the exciting innovations and things that we've seen throughout this year because it's been a crazy year well, let's let's start this because I'm really keen to get because like always, we've, there's so many categories within this trends that we're going to discuss today. Which one do you want to kick off with first? I know we've sort of highlighted a couple. Well, look, I think first what we'll do is like I'm not going to go labor the point of a trend is something that emerges and evolves. Um, it's not a fad or it's not a fleeting moment. It's normally affected by external change, such as a pandemic. And then that ripples through everything that um, society buys into. So I know that like macro trends we've talked about in the past, the sustainability, there's automation, so the rise of robots, um, all of that's been embraced during this. But in terms of, because we had, I had a bit of a debate in my head, so do we talk about wellness or well-being? And I was trying to talk about the differences between the two. So I think we're going to call it well-being because wellness, in traditional definition of it, is about physical health and physical well-being. 
Um, and well-being is about physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. And I think that probably is very much captures this year. It's not just about physical health. It's about, oh my God, everyone is losing their mind. Really good definitions. And it's something that I've actually written down, wellness and well-being, multiple times, both. And it's, I haven't really defined the difference between the two. So that's rather helpful. Thank you. Let's talk about sleep. Sleep um, in terms of innovations and trends, like obviously that's a massive part of our well-being. I can tell you from doing keto that I haven't suffered from such bad insomnia since about five years ago, like when I had a bit of a burnout session, I was just overworking. The ins- like For the first probably three or four nights, and even now, like I wake up every hour. And that drives me crazy. And people have. And why is that? Why is that associated with keto? I'm not quite sure where the correlation becomes with. Because they say that a carbohydrate releases a s- slow release of energy that actually helps you sleep. It really it increases your melatonin. Um, so a carbohydrate boosts your melatonin in your body. Um, and I know you can like, you can actually take melatonin tablets, but can't get hold of any anywhere at the moment. Um, so so carbohydrate increases your melatonin. You need that to sleep. And so obviously you've on keto, you've removed the carbohydrates. The carbohydrates are so low um, that you're, you know, you, you just, you just don't rest. Your body isn't, isn't aware. It doesn't have that trigger to make it rest. And so uh, in terms of uh, using the word hacking, what have you managed to do then in order to hack that in terms of, is there anything you've been, been able to supplement with obviously that you, that you can access? I've actually, well, yeah, I know like you used to be able to get melatonin, but um, like actually I've more drove into some of the trends that we're going to talk about later. So we've got things like time out. So I've done definitely been doing more meditation um, and things like that. And I did try carb loading like a good friend of mine, the protein company actually that I work with, the guy who owns that tried keto as well. And he gave me some tips. He said, look, if, if it's a consistent issue and you're definitely in ketosis, you measure it with like little sticks and things that you wee on, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but if you're definitely in ketosis, sometimes you get it because you're not there yet. You're not actually in, you don't have ketones in your body. And there's a transition stage, a bit like with any diet, probably a bit like with you, like you had to kind of remove everything that had built up in your body to actually be in a state of carnivore. So actually I've tried things, I've tried carb loading. So I've tried eating more carbs or eating the majority of my carbs at nighttime to try and make me sleep. Didn't work, didn't work for me. So I fall asleep all right, but I, I just wake up every hour. The the kind of thing that's left me to go, I, I'm, it's slowly getting a bit better with, just with time. And like I said, I've been doing more meditation. I've started exercising at nighttime rather than in the daytime. Um, but other than that, like I'm there's nothing really that I feel I can change and I don't feel tired in the day. So that's the one thing I would say, like I don't get to two o'clock and go, I'm so tired. I'm not. I think sleep is sleep is something that's really, it really fascinates me generally. And, and I know you and I spoke about a podcast that I'd listened to and also a YouTube video by Tom Bilyeu. He had a guy on called Sean Stevens who spoke quite a lot about sleep and about the necessary um, aspects of sleep for circadian rhythm. So again, like hacking your sleep and, you know, being able to get better sleep. So it's not always about the longevity. And I've actually been looking at things. I was thinking the other day about getting, there's an aura ring, which tracks and monitors your sleep. Things like that, the hacking circadian rhythms as such and sleep trackers. So your iPhone can do to, do it to a certain extent. The aura ring, for example, basically tracks your heartbeat and then start, start, begins to understand at what point you're in um, deep points of sleep. I'm, I'm sure many many listeners will have heard of uh, Matthew Walker in his book uh, about sleep. And he talks about um, sleep opportunity uh, within the book. So you, whilst you have your time in bed, which people assume I'm going to get eight hours sleep, you're giving yourselves an eight hour sleep opportunity, but actual sleep during that time may only be five hours, for example, because you'll spend a period of time perhaps um, switching off, winding down. You may even wake up before your alarm. So I think understanding how much sleep you're getting is quite important. Sometimes these sort of aura rings and iPhone apps can help. But I think fundamentally, and what I've noticed certainly in the last couple of years, is people are talking about sleep a lot more uh, and trying to understand how can they make their sleep opportunity better and that can often be obviously avoid using um, looking at blue lights or looking at your mobile phone, for example, before bedtime. I know we've discussed this in previous podcasts, in fact, um, just in, enabling your mind to sort of settle down and switch off before you actually begin your sleep opportunity. Um, and I think that's been really important. 
And I, yeah, we spoke about it about a year ago, didn't we, when we did a mindfulness um, podcast. But yeah, I think also as well, like bearing in mind that we've been in a year where a lot of people have been living in a very short space. So you can actually almost like you're like, just across normally like 10 feet away from where you actually sleep is where you work. So it's almost putting all of those things in the same confines. Like I'm a big, I'm a big fan of um, rituals so that if there's something that you do every time before you go to bed whether you know like the old style stuff is like you have a horlicks isn't it or you have a hot chocolate or if there's something that you do you go right this this puts me in a mode where I'm relaxed and I'm sleepy so like I said for me like doing the meditation like I, I didn't think I'd ever get quite so into it but it came from originally I did headspace app there's actually some really good innovation apps around now there's one called calm the also it, it kind of there's it's this proof this scientific proof that if you learn to meditate it will help you sleep it will help you on so many levels even learning to breathe can affect so I've actually for the last four months apparently according to my dentist been really badly grinding my teeth at night to a point where I've actually chipped a few teeth and so there's something I am doing in my sleep even that I'm not conscious of but if I learn different breathing techniques that will rectify that as well as wearing a brace that makes me look like a boxer. But um. It's funny because we're, I've got a, a written in front of me here. I think essentially the, one of the biggest trends, the overarching trends that I've noticed is um, taking things back to basics and understanding your sleep, understanding how to breathe. These sound all mad. Well, that's what we do naturally anyway, but doing it better. So things like eating whole foods, drinking water, spending time outside and obviously getting enough sleep. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that actually leads quite nicely onto one of the other things that we wanted to talk about. And I know we touched on it last episode because it's food related is um, in terms of nutraceuticals or nootropics, whichever way you want to talk about it. So something that people have been using for, for anxiety and sleep definitely is CBD. And then obviously there's there's just like CBD has been around for like at least seven or 10 years now, hasn't it? Well, quite a while, yeah. But it's becoming more mainstream. And in a, and in a, in a world where people at the moment aren't able, to, some of them, to go and have a doctor's appointment, I know you can have online appointments, people are turning to different solutions to help sleep, to help anxiety and all of these things. I think that's an area that's really fascinating how that's growing. What do you think, Mark? I completely agree. There are natural nootropics out there, so caffeine and creatine, and there are others which um, I've jotted down here. I don't necessarily know what they're, where they're found as such, but L-theanine, uh, rhodiola, rosea, biopop, oh, there's loads. But these are all natural nootropics which have been around for years, and we a lot of people have them already within their diets, but these more, I don't want to call them synthetic, but more available um, nootropics which are being sort of incorporated into um, lifestyle so CBD for example as you just mentioned is a big one CBD actually sits across all the platforms we're looking to sort of discuss today in terms of where wellness fits so um, it's being used as part of exercise it's being used as part of immunity um, and mindfulness people are using it to sort of improve their cognitive thinking uh, and CBD also is being associated with better sleep um, so it is working its way into so many different categories and it's almost being seen like the um, magic product the interesting thing for me with things like cbd and stuff and even a lot of the trends that we're seeing at the moment is the fusion of elements so they've always been quite separated before we've always seen when we talk about vitamins or whatever they've always been you take a pill and that's your vitamin b but actually we're talking about it in terms of food function so you'd actually get your vitamins through your food because they can create these formulas that are about food but they also taste good so it touches you on different levels of sensation we're aware so much more now not just of taste but of touch of sound even like I can't tell you the amount of things that I even um, how much sound has come into helping me sleep as ridiculous as it is so audio audio sound in branding so things that I listen to in terms of to induce a level of state so I do um, sound healing which is a sound gong and the levels of vibration that they hit hit different resonances of organs in your body and, and it just calms you right down or it it just resonates through your body in the same way that years ago you would say people sniff um, like lavender to help calm them down it sort of has the same effect but it's through sound and I actually had a really interesting chat um, with someone in our industry that does audio branding. And you just think it's a really interesting untapped medium and think sound throughout all of this. How many people put on a song to dance around to to make them feel more upbeat and better? Well, and, and we've also, you know, we're not actually allowed to go to gigs or concerts and things like that anymore. And, and just the importance of sound on our well-being is really how it can affect your mood and, and those kind of things. You're talking about using uh, sound for sleep. Um, 
we've got a toddler who's now 16 months old and since days old Lorraine would play um the oms um do you know the omnis or oms I think it's called uh, basically it's a couple of guys going om om for <laughs> that 50 was a minutes great impression. they do it in yoga classes sometimes <laughs> that's all I hear but Alexander now that's what he goes to sleep with and he waits for it he waits this recording and it helps him sleep and it's fascinating I'd, and if you do listen to it it does send you into like at this sort of transcending state you almost feel like you're being hypnotized definitely and it has the reverse effect like there's also days when i go and crank up some hardcore rap when i'm on a treadmill and that, you know whatever <laughs> rap, please, go. that moment like i've got i've, I've got a mother pucker list so oh, there you go. Good. <laughs> on my there. ipod <laughs> um so yeah like I, I just think there's so many different levels of well-being like we need to feel upbeat as well as we need calming down so the calming down is good for the sleep but you know like even like to get you up in the morning like some of the innovations in that space. I think it's a really interesting, audio is a really interesting space, I think. So at least in terms of mindfulness then, uh, I think with another area which I think you've touched on in, in some of the notes was talking about the connection and loneliness uh, and people learning how to connect more. Yeah, definitely. And I look, we live in an age of automating. So I think there's, there's, this year has definitely been the one where all of the technology that we've learned over the last 10 years is slowly having purpose beyond just gaming and stuff. So even Zoom or Skype. But one thing that's been, I've really noticed it so much recently because I've seen, and I mean, look, we're open, we can talk to people, but there's quite a lot of people who are out and about on their own. And it's made me really conscious of actually, of we were living in an elderly and aging generation. Um, I think I was reading some statistics that I've wrote down somewhere and I'll probably find the note towards the end of this podcast um, that so many people um, are living longer, but they feel more isolated and alone. And I definitely know that, look, I know that my mom hasn't embraced Skype as much as she did 10 years ago when I first moved to Australia at the moment. And she feels awfully lonely and disconnected. And there was some this. Those kind of um, anything that that those kind of incentives, I don't know. Do you have anything in the UK where it helps loneliness? I think the whole pandemic for me is good because it's raised awareness to things that have been there a long time. And slowly people have gone, oh, yeah, but, you know, if we can't see anyone and we're in lockdown, there's going to be loads of lonely people out there. And you think about Christmas and you said at the start of this conversation about, oh, we're going to be open for Christmas so people can spend time with their families. But Actually, there's quite a lot of people who don't have them. So I think it's shining a light on, well, there's so many people who are going to be lonely over Christmas. Well, that's not, that's every single year. And whilst we've got these technologies, the technologies are great. We've got Zoom, we've got Teams, we've got Skype, we've got all of these things that we can connect with, but we need to educate people how to connect with them or we need to design solutions. And there are some that make it easier, just like Apple did all them years ago. They made it possible for people who'd never touched a computer to play with a computer. So I think there's good innovations. Like we just talked about um, technology to make you exercise and healthy. So even like Fitbits and things, we just need to make the technology that we have easier so that people who do feel lonely don't feel isolated by it, I don't think. I think so. I think what this pandemic has done in terms of uh, trends, what people are doing now more so than they ever have done, certainly in the last probably 30, 40 years, certainly since post-Second World War, is bringing together a sense of community. So people are doing things with one another, but we talk about living in this sort of elderly environment. I know personally, um, over the last couple of days, I'll knock on elderly neighbours' doors uh, who I know do live alone, just to, just to say, hello, how are you doing? Because I've not maybe seen them for a few weeks. And I think that that's something which may, I may not have done a few years ago. So in terms of connectivity, what this pandemic has brought about is uh, a sense of community, which is sort of only growing, I think. And, and you just hope to God that continues. It's really weird, isn't it? Because when it started, I remember going out in the pandemic and you'd see someone walking towards you with their mask on. And you do that awkward kind of, you'd move out of the way, but you do the smile with your eyes. <laughs> I don't, they don't know how people can tell you're smiling with your eyes. I mean, I see that and you think, are they growling? Are they smiling? Right. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you need to just work the eyelashes, Mark. You know, when people are crossing the road because you didn't want to walk near each other because of pandemic, but there's that kind of, that knowing face of, look, I'm not crossing the road because I don't want to be near you. I'm crossing the road because I consider your safety. And I think there's something quite nice about that. I mean, we even though we're all, all open here, at least when you meet someone, they go, should we do the, shall we elbow bump? Or, you know, there's still that level of care that I hope that we can continue. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I think we're, we've, we're so aware of that younger people can be lonely and we're aware of the mental issues that younger people have. But I think the age, the people who are older, who aren't able or don't feel able to embrace the technology quite as well as you or I would. 
And I look, you and I will have conversations about, you know, even down to like TikTok and Snapchat and things like that and ways people can, you know, embrace social media and stuff. But, you know, all of the, there are generations that aren't into all of that stuff. So how can we make them feel included through, through technology? Because I think there's some amazing things around. It's just how do we get people to embrace them and be part of them? Because I tell you, like, I, like my mom is now terrified of Skype. And it's just because like, oh, I'm too old. I don't want to do it again. But 10 years ago when I moved to Australia, she was we were on Skype like every couple of days. Whereas now she's just like, oh, can I just phone you on the, on the, like on a WhatsApp call? So I think it becomes more of a barrier. And I think if we don't bring people on the journey, it becomes more of a barrier in their heads. So, yeah, like that inclusivity and loneliness and and even like moving on from that kind of aging thing. How good was it? Did you see the link that I sent to you about IKEA and developing hacks for their catalog that help people with dementia it was awesome it was so good ikea released like a publication of catalog hacks so things that you can use from their catalog and how you can make them more friendly for people with dementia no i didn't see that i didn't see that obviously i appreciate the fact that i'm unfortunately my father is suffering from the dementia and these those sort of things i find fascinating so yeah i'll have to pick that email up one area I think that we is really worth discussing is immunity. This is something that we've I know that you and I have we have discussed multiple times um, on sort of off off the podcast or off, off air. But what are, what are you noticing in terms of how we are combating deficiencies in certain countries and certain groups? That word diet and actually what you've linked back to is what links nicely back to the previous podcast where we talk about food trends. So actually our education and everything of food and how you can get a lot of you can have if you have a, a clean diet or a healthy diet or there are even ways you can eat that boost your immunity. So how popular over the past few years have probiotics become? Everyone knows that, you know, br- the brain is the gut is a second brain. So gut friendly foods and, and our knowledge and awareness and all of this time that we've been able to access online because we've been locked in our homes. We've actually had access to all of this information that tells us how to look after our own immune system. So it's actually putting the power back into real people's hands, isn't it? To go like, you can make your immune system stronger educate people with these different and i mean that's part of why you and i have done these diets to see if we can become stronger or better or if it changes us it's it's true it's very true and i think one of my biggest issue with this subject immunity is um governments around the world and i, I hear lots of joe rogan for example on his podcast will often talk about the fact that he is noticing that the governments in multiple countries are not talking, at least expressing the importance of building up your immune system, increasing certain vitamins into your, your body, increasing like levels of zinc and magnesium. These will ultimately, longer term, will help improve your whole immune system. But there's been no real discussion about, there's you know, discussions about lockdowns and shielding and sort of keeping yourself away from other people. But when you come out, of, when we come out of this whole pandemic, Exercise and immunity are going to be the most key things to keep people moving and keep people healthy. The discussion about around immunity, I think, is so important. It needs to be had more. I think supplementing with things like vitamin D, which has been a big discussion in, in the fitness community for um, a few years now, it's now starting to sort of sort of filter through into sort of mainstream societies where people are starting to understand we need to be eating more vitamin Ds and zinc and magnesium in order to make ourselves. Um, stronger the interesting thing as well is like it's it's knowing what what bits to trust and a lot of people we're still in a in an era where people don't necessarily have time and they want a convenience solution so i like i because i'm a nerd like when i had an i had an autoimmune condition five years ago and normally when you'd get diagnosed with them you have them for life but i no longer have what's what's an autoimmune condition so it's effectively when your immune system starts attacking itself so like it comes in different forms so even down to x there are different types of autoimmune conditions so um i had hashimotos which is the thyroid based condition where your own it's a cool thyro- name, by the way. Your, and it's, if you're going to have anything have something that sounds like a japanese wave right um, but ultimately your own thyroid gland thinks that it's um it turns on itself and it attacks itself so you'll have things like rheumatoid arthritis there's so there are thousands of autoimmune conditions someone will probably correct me and tell me there are um, hundreds of thousands of different types eczema is a type of autoimmune condition they're all things where your body starts attacking itself for some reason it thinks it's got an alien invader and so but also i i educated myself so much and i refused to take any of the western medications and purely through changing my diet 
exercise, the meditation took a bit longer. It took me a long time to accept that I had to take time out. Um, so all of those things, now if you gave me an autoimmune test and I've had them, like I no longer have the antibodies that would be the flag of you've got an autoimmune condition. So for at least the past three years, and I know like people joke to me, oh, you're a nutrition nerd. Why do you know this stuff? I did it because it fixed me. So for me, like it was about, I needed to educate myself and fix myself. But ultimately, not everyone has time. Not everyone has the patience. And if you're really sick with an autoimmune condition, you just want to be well. And so I think now we're in an age where so many different things are coming out on the market. We talk about sleep-based um, products, foods, um, and things that aren't just a vitamin pill that you can just pop. Like if you could get your vitamin D and your vitamin B through a nice cookie, you're probably going to want that. So there are all of these innovations coming. When you have your bowl of oats, Mark, perhaps soon you'll be able to have ashwagandha in it and sort of all of these, you know, time infusions <laughs> of ingredients. You go like, it's just a bowl of porridge, but look at the effect it's going to have. I think so. I think more, more importantly to me, and I think going back to the, what we were saying before about being, going back to basics, um, it is trying to understand essentially you just if you cut things right back to the sort of the bare minimum and start to understand what works for you and then you start to reintroduce food groups which perhaps you know you're comfortable with that's I think that's the best way to do it and I, I think as we discussed before what I've started to see a lot of certainly through my exercising I'd often take something called a pre-workout and a pre-workout as if it was always known as the nootropics and it's a it was a big area and it still is a big area i think within the sort of exercise community um it not only does it help sort of blood rush around your body quicker it's positioned rather crudely it does far more than that but essentially it, it makes it it allows you to sort of get your body um into into the correct state uh, physically and mentally before you start exercising and it also gives you this sort of a cognitive enhancement you feel like you're more focused and you feel like you're, there's a clarity in the way in which you think but my point being is um, for, in, for the this immunity category, the nootropics is, is becoming a really big thing. And, and there are all these products out there which are suggesting they can improve your memory, improve your focus, your concentration and even your mood. Um, and these are areas that are, are only going to grow. And certainly, again, we'll, we'll touch on it again, the likes of CBD purporting to help in all those areas too going to be interesting to see how they regulate it and stuff as well isn't it um and i think i mean we've spoken as well as one of the trends in terms of um, people skipping alcohol and going sober so that's an area in terms of the food and things that fascinates me like how people are skipping booze and finding different even cocktails that have got like you can buy cb you can get cbd cocktails definitely in america you can get it i wrote an article on it i think when i was in new york so things like that and where they might fuse together so almost what used to be i'll have a drink and it will send me to sleep and I'll feel crap the next day, you'll be, I'll have a alcohol-free drink and it's got all of these vitamin-boosting benefits in and I'll feel amazing the next day. I completely agree. And interesting enough, you're talking about combinations. I know we've talked about partnerships before. Recently, I've, I've got involved in a bit of research which combining um, CBD into alcohol products, it's, it's a really difficult area to try and um, work as a creative on because you have two different products, one of which is a stimulant, the alcohol and the other one which is more of a what do you call it a suppressant or a relaxant so cbd so you have two different sort of propositions almost um so when you start talking about the excitement around an alcohol product and the social ability of it and cbd is almost the opposite and it's a really hard brand strategy to start working with to understand how what, what's the message here what are you trying to say with a product that has both cbd and alcohol in but I really do find that you're right, though. They're going to begin to start regulating this. So as of next year, products are going to be strictly regulated, certainly within the UK, about their CBD content. At the moment, it's a bit of a free-for-all and there's no supporting evidence to suggest that CBD is doing anything both harmful or beneficial right now. So it, as in formal research. So it'd be really interesting to see how that translates and how that moves forward. At the moment, it is a bit of a wild west out there and products there are products coming out left, right and centre with CBD in it. And there was an um, article the other day, it was by Global Innova Company, and they said um, something that touches on one of the macro trends about transparency is that six in 10 people want to know exactly where their food comes from. And I think we'll see that rippling through. If you're going to have like things like CBD and mocktails and stuff, people want to know what's in it. I mean, we've just talked about the amount of labels we've been reading to make sure what's in, in things. Um, so I think it's going to become, there's an um, American company that I saw actually called Kind. They make like 
bars that are health bars or whatever and they've been actively so most people like to put the nutritional stuff on the back because they don't want you to see it but these guys have been really supportive of having as much as you can on the front um and the transparency of those labels they say look you know we want you to know what's in our food and like i said like until i turned over the packet of some of the supposedly healthy snacks this week and realized there's you know like 30 grams of carbohydrates in a little protein ball and you go okay i'm gonna have to make my own so actually i think there's something about people are demanding transparency and that will come through in your boozes and everything i think people are going to go so what is actually in it um and people will start questioning them I think, and it's also down to edu- the education of the consumer. Most of these consumers need to understand that they have to do some work. There's a case of, on a pack front, for example, you know, you and I know as a creative, there's a limited amount of space, and information you put on front of the pack is going to be key. And you have to put obviously what's most important. When you start putting too much information on there, it becomes, it, it's number one, it's ugly to look at, but number two, consumers get confused. Um, so you've got to pick out what's most important and. For the most part, certainly in the UK, and I know Australia is the same, you have your RDAs, and for the most part, on a lot of FMCG products placed on the front, um, your recommended daily allowances for um, fats and sugars and um, carbohydrates, carbohydrates, sugars and what have you. Um, so we, we understand that on the packs they have that, but how much information you put on the front of these packs? And obviously regulatory standards allow us to put what we think is most important on those, but if you start to put too much on there, um, from our perspective as creators, it becomes a real challenge to shoehorn all this info. Well, I just even in terms of like the reason it becomes difficult for us as creatives is it's also difficult for a reader. Like there's so much clutter out there and packaging design is an interesting way to tell a story. It's just that so many people don't realize you've got a whole pack. Um, and then obviously, I mean, we're talking about sustainability. We shouldn't really talk about packaging. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a brand story to tell. And I think people want to know that story, but you don't have to tell it all on the front of a packer. I think you just need to make it easier. This whole, our, our job as designers is to make life easier and also to inform and educate people so they can make a decision that's right for them. Like after doing our week on carnivore and doing our week on keto, we shouldn't tell people to try these things. We should go, look, we wanted to try it. It's educated us to try something different. You got to work out what works for you. Like, you ultimately if you you learn to listen to yourself some of these well-being trends and definitely in terms of like when we talk about meditation or or the mental anxiety that's going on we've learned a lot about ourselves and i think that's something that the more you learn about yourself even the tough bits because it's been you know it's been a really tough year there are good things that will come out of this and you will have learned an awful lot about your ability to cope i listen to it awesome talk a 10 minute podcast and it was a lady being interviewed and she was 94 and she survived the holocaust and she talked about how positivity and resilience got them through that time and how she can see that coming through the younger generations now are getting through it they don't like it. it's really difficult right now but slowly bit by bit we're, we're getting through it and if we're able to teach people resilience that will add to our well-being we're, we're aware that it, it's in our own power so if you give people the tips and tricks and then you also educate them simply. They can make their own choice. You can make your own choices. I think the last area which I think we should touch on, obviously because it works quite well into what we're both, one of our key interests are, is exercise and what sort of trends we're noticing in terms of wellness. In that, and I know that you've spoken about virtual worlds. I think it's absolutely right. There are so many, and are things brands like Peloton, for example, which is basically a sort of online cycling community um, who can compete and cycle against one another. But there are lots of other examples of that. I think you've probably you're aware of some in the sort of yoga, the hit community. Yeah, well, it's just been a really good one, hasn't it? Like it's just been a year of bold pivots, and anyone who's been able to just switch their business to being online. So yeah, as soon as they closed gyms and stuff, like I joined a, I joined. I can remember I used to say to you, I can't do the podcast now. I'm planking. I know we do like 30 minutes of like team planking with really good looking French people. (laughs) (laughs) So it's also that even connectivity of you can do it with someone anywhere in the world once you join this community. So it actually, it connects people all over the world. So there would be other people, people in Australia and people in France would be doing these core workouts. So I think any gym that's worth their salt has managed to do it. So there's online, even Fitness First here in Australia did do online classes. I'm not really a class person. Um, I go to the gym and I like to put my headphones on and work out. That works for me. So I was like, to be honest, the benefit for me of the gym closing was actually I went outdoors more and walked more in nature. And I do that more now. I actually don't go to the gym every single day, which I did at one point. I'd actually go for a, a really nice long walk. So I think it's forced people to get outside of their comfort zones. But it's also like there's so much available online. So, yeah, exercise, 
the communities that you can join now I mean some people are in really restricted spaces I know at one point you were installing a rowing machine weren't you in your garden that's That's just because we're addicts this kind of like I just need to exercise but for me like it it gets rid of a bit of the anger the exercise so if I'm frustrated running really gets it really gets rid of that frustration and it also it's a you know it boosts your serotonin as well without having to have a glass of wine or whatever (laughs) oh hugely hugely i mean from what i've seen i think uh trends in this sort of uh in the sort of health and fitness community and around the subject of exercise is with the closures of gyms people have had to adapt themselves so people like yourself um and me included, who would spend a lot of time actually traveling to a gym and exercising inside a gym, having to work out what we can do as a sort of alternate to obviously not being in a gym and going outside, doing outdoor exercises, body weight type exercises. Whereas I'm someone who will happily sit in a gym and lift heavy weights for hours. Um, And that's what I enjoy doing, throwing big lumps of iron around. Uh, But looking for alternatives now and how that's going to develop moving forward uh, with gyms, are they going to notice a massive reduction in membership because people are starting to understand, I don't need to be spending you know, huge amounts of money on an annual membership when I can actually go ahead and do this outside. But there is a sense of community that you do miss. And those people who, who have formed the, these sort of um, social groups inside gyms, they are missing. I, I miss it, for example. I know that I can go and train outside and lift logs or you know lift a toddler or you know whatever it might be i can lift as an alternative but you want to be inside those those sort of little social circles that you've created which you don't necessarily have outside of a gym um certainly within lift the lifting weights part of it um but there's outdoor classes every time you go out now you'll see classes taking place in parks you know on tennis courts wherever they're, they're happening people have sort of created these little um outdoor groups and I tell you what, it's actually seen a really good uprise for um, brands that have done it. So Nike started a running club at the start of all of this. So they've got apps and daily downloads. So even like having that daily reminder of join us to run. So actually, it's ca- the brands, again, that have hopped onto these trends because they saw them, you know, how can we adapt and shift straight away have been really popular. So you mentioned Peloton um, and also Strava. There's quite a few like um but again, they all rely on people having access to the technology and knowing how to do it and being actually having those reminders. So, you know, like people used to have a gym trainer. So a lot of the trainers that I know that work at the gym have started doing online training. And the exciting thing about seeing it all do come online is that it's kind of on demand. So it's become like fitness is like now like Netflix. So I know there's definitely one and I think it's American based. That's a core power yoga, but it's an on demand. So you can access them. 10 minute 20 minute 30 minute 60 minute yoga sessions but whenever you want them so I think this, it's almost like yeah fitness has gone like Netflix it's like what do I want to do when do I want to do it how do you fit it around your life I mean at the minute your life revolves around working in a corner and then sleeping in another corner and then walking across the park but you know like as we go forward I think it's going to be more like that because we've also realized that work days have changed and that's another episode for another time so therefore if you can adapt your workouts whenever it suits you not to because I know like I was always rushing from work to get to a yin yoga class at like whatever time on a Thursday night or whatever well you don't you don't have to anymore like I've got loads that I can do on YouTube whenever I want the all I need is the discipline to actually do them in in terms of a summary for the uh, for the exercise part especially I'm starting to see that people are having to have adapted people are being able to exercise from home and you're absolutely right I have this as well um, there's a term of it there's a degree of wanting to escape and the the gym is an escape and when you have a screaming toddler in the house and you're having to work in that same house environment you just want that why can I go and just spend my hours exercise and as you said I have been in the past put the rower in the garden I've been out and then back into the garden with the row machine just trying to sort of with my headphones on it's using my form of escape but exercising at home is a big big area right now and I think that's only going to grow um, as this, as we get, we're entering into sort of 2021 very soon, and to my mind, that's next week, but I know it's not. <laughs> we still, we haven't even got into December yet. <laughs> I'm just trying to get 2020 just out of the way. Feels like Groundhog Day. But I think that even next year, we do know that um, that is going to be a big growth area. Um, people exercising from home are, are exercising outside of the gym environment. People doing everything from home. So I think that's like, I am someone who I never used to spend very much time at home. I'm not really a homebody. I like to be out and about and doing things. And ultimately, I'm because I'm a minimalist, I have nothing in my home that, like that's that's even shifted for me this year because you're having to spend more time at home. You actually get used to it 
and start to adapt your spaces. So I think people like IKEA will probably be doing really well because people are adapting their homes because they're spending more time there. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I know we nearly almost kind of shot each other when the gyms closed. It's like, what are we going to do? Everything was fine until the gyms, but then you save lots of money and you learn to do it in other ways. <laughs> what I've noticed, there's two sort of key summarize, summaries for me. I, I think first of all, what I'm noticing uh, in terms of what the trends out there for, for wellness is sustainable habits. So we're looking at sort of intuitive eating, I think is the most important thing, certainly off the back of what we were discussing before. Um, so sustainable eating and sort of changing your lifestyle habits. And the other thing which, uh, from a brand's perspective, is consumers are now looking to consume honest brands. So certainly within the FMCG world, there's a strong focus on single ingredient products and people want to know what's in their products as such. And you talk about sort of the provenance of where things have come from. Um, so those are the key things, I think. Sustainable um, habits and honest brands, I think, certainly for me. And I think in, in any capacity from a well-being point of view, they're the macro trends that are filtering down to whether we talk about well-being, whether we talk about food, the transparency that you just mentioned there, people wanting to know where things come from. And that links back to the sustainability. So, yeah, like all of those are our macro trends. And we're just I think next year they're only going to grow even further. The virtual economies that we just talked about in terms of being, moving things online and how that fuels and goes forward. Um, that in summary for me is like they're all they all come from the macro trends and it's how they filter down um, but definitely transparency sustainability and the virtual economies are the ones that I'm, I'm really excited to see where they go because I think we'll almost it becomes a bit of momentum this year started it and they'll then yeah. they'll just keep rolling on well I think they have they've been on the menu for quite some time haven't they all those key areas but the future of well-being is quite quite possibly exactly that Lise, this has been brilliant. I know that we're heading to the festive season now, so it'll be interesting to see how we all adapt and how we cope. What about, just just very quickly then, Lise, I mean, how, how are you going to prepare for Christmas? Are you having to do online shopping? Is that the way you'd normally shop? Or are you think I've got to go shopping and I can't get out to shops? I'm not like I'm, but I generally tend to buy experiences and things or organise to do things with friends now. Um, but in terms of like, I'm going to do online shopping for anyone that I'm buying for in the UK and I'm just going to get it delivered directly to them. I was hoping to be back in the UK for Christmas this year. So that's kind of shot that in the foot a little bit. Um, so I'm trying to not, not to make too big of a deal of it this Christmas and celebrate it when the world lets us. Probably just spend it on a beach, Mark. What about you? <laughs> uh yeah well i won't be on the beach in fact i'm looking forward to actually one of the biggest things i look forward to i i love christmas dinner so the old roast turkey obviously being able to eat vegetables along with it i'm looking forward to roast potatoes parsnips mashed potato carrots uh you know pigs in blankets i'll be all over them that's, that's the big thing for me for christmas i we are shame though because obviously i don't think it'd be a huge family affair we're a little bit limited in terms of how many families can gather i don't know what the legal status is but because it seems to change on a daily basis but families will not be able to get together as they normally do so either way i will be eating a big christmas roast dinner <laughs> you might get it all to yourself <laughs> oh hell yes <laughs> so lisa thank you ever so much so it's been great to speak and look forward to speaking soon awesome well I look forward to the next one thanks mark chat soon